Welcome to Your Infinite Health. Are you getting older? Are you feeling it? How would you like to do that in reverse? We're your host, Dr. Tripp and Lene. We've run an integrative medicine practice for 13 years. Together, we have 60 years of combined experience helping clients. We've helped tens of thousands achieve success in health and live longer, happier lives. In this show, we'll cover peer-reviewed and evidence-based integrative approaches to creating the health you've always wanted. We also share professional experience we see in the field every day. So if you're ready to feel, look, and live your best life, you're in the right place. Welcome to your Infinite Health Podcast. Hey, Trip. What's up, man? How's it going? So I got a joke. Tell me a joke. What's a robot's favorite snack? What is a robot's favorite snack? Nuts and bolts? No. What? Computer chips. Oh, uh, computer chips. That's so funny. <laughs> you know your dad won. Mm-hmm. Oh, so hilarious. You know, I bet robots have problems conceiving. <laughs> Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> which kind of segues bluntly into what we're going to talk about today, which is infertility. Uh, and I think overcoming fertility has been a kind of an unexpected success <laughs> that we've experienced at Infinite Health. I don't think we we never like set out to help anybody conceive, but it just kind of have became a happy accident Mm -hmm. at first and then we yeah a byproduct of helping people optimize their health naturally interesting and so i thought maybe you could talk about that today because i think i read somewhere (laughs) and listener you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think i read somewhere that one in five women over 35 or something have difficulty conceiving i may be making that completely up but it does seem to be particularly in our area, a more, an increasing problem that women are having. And not just, not even just for women over 35, which is the high risk population, but even younger ladies are having difficulty conceiving as well. Hmm. I think you had a patient um, who was, was she under 35? She was a bodybuilder, like a competitive bodybuilder. I had a few of one was a massage therapist. I think, I think the first patient that I ever, ever tried to optimize that was having fertility problems. And but she didn't. Did she, she come to you specifically? She was. You remember she had. She was running some space out of her office there. It was so long ago. Yeah, it was quite a while ago. And she, while I was in clinic, and she was there, she was seeing some patients. Oh, right, and she was young. Yeah, she was young. I think she she was not thirty five. She was. Well, I don't even. She was 30. around thirty, but certainly not. And she came to me. She she asked me. Said, "Well, does this optimization stuff you do will that have any impact on getting pregnant?" <laughs> and so I kind of asked her what was going on, and she had been through. I mean, it had been two or three years that the couple had been to conceive and unprotected sex and all that. And they'd gone through all of the stuff. I mean, they'd gone, she'd gone through in vitro fertilization. And, oh, and she dropped some money down. Yeah. So she had spent time, money and effort to try and have a child. And, and so I got her history and everything. I said, well, you know, 
theoretically, in my mind, I was thinking about the the things that I look at in laboratories and things like that, hormone levels and all these other things. And I said, well, yeah, theoretically, any of these parameters could could potentially preclude you from being able to get pregnant. And, you know, of course, I talked to her about her and her spouse and uh, and that testing. But what what transpired is that I got labs on her and found I found that she was not hypothyroid. Minor hormones were off, but but I found that she was what I call suboptimal thyroid, and and basically, so I corrected all the things that that we found, and and she was feeling much better. Actually, she energetically she was feeling better, and that and things went on. And about I forget if it was two or three months later, she came into the office with the with an ultrasound photos of twins. Oh, you were twice yeah. as good as you meant to be. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, and just for clarification, there's a def- there's a particular definition for someone who is infertile, right? Well, it's, they, if it's you've typically been... unprotected sex for one year. For one year. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And so after you, well, she was way beyond that. She had been unsuccessful in conceiving for more than a year. You got her on optimizing her health, and right. within. Two months, three months, two yeah. to three months. She got twins. Yeah. Wow. So she tells a friend of hers. <laughs> she tells a friend of her having the same problem. Well over a year, done all the, spent all the money, done all the stuff. Uh, got her in, did the panel, found a bunch of few things, suboptimal. and A bunch of few? Yeah, a bunch of few things. <laughs> and, and, and corrected those. Or, and obviously as we're doing this, I'm doing the same thing with the, doing the mind-body course and everything like that because many times couples they become so focused on 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 procreation that they it becomes stressful very stressful and uh, and so it's kind of a resistance that uh, comes up so they're fighting you kind of got to get it into this mindset where you want a baby but you're not attached you got to detach from the outcome Mm -hmm. right that's tricky it's hard to go in the flow sometimes yeah so do you find that um, that mindset can actually Oh, I, I think inhibit I, I, all the ones all the patients I've been successful with, I mean, have been that has been a you know, a very strong component, I think, because it becomes they become almost obsessed and you know, being able to allow that, you know, based on whatever beliefs you have, allow that is that it's going to happen when it's going to happen. And that's a let go. Know that you want it, but just let go. And there are exercises and stuff we do. But at the same time, so the second woman comes in, same almost exact story. And uh, two or three months after, you know, I get her optimized. Oops, there, she, there we go. She's pregnant and moving on. And, you know, I think the parameters, some of, maybe some of the parameters that are being used to conventionally define define endocrine, either good or bad, is are probably some of the reasons why some women are not successful because they're, you know, our parameters, the laboratory parameters, for example, for thyroid, the laboratory parameters for thyroid are based off of, you know, a population where we don't know the people who had the normal parameters are are 
you know, were healthy or not at the time they had their bloods drawn. And then on top of that, each person is different. Each person at a given moment of time has a different requirement. So, so those personal requirements for well-being and optimum body function then, then are not being, if you're in a normal range, they're not being optimized for the individual. And so... Oh, because in the, in the traditional setting with wherever they're going, uh, they're so, looking at the bell curve of where everybody right. in theory should be. everybody's falling into the bell curve, you know, into the bell curve with one or two standard deviations from the norm, then, you know, they're termed normal. So, so within those parameters for thyroid, if you allow that the upper limit of normal is is four point five nanogram per deciliter on the for the thyroid, I have no idea what that means. But it, okay. it's the concentration of a thyroid hormone in the blood. Then you're basically you basically exclude that population and say maybe maybe good for for is really only functioning well when their thyroid stimulating hormone is say at 0.5. And so so that that can cause a relative hypothyroidism so to speak for that individual in that moment of time. Excuse me. So that being said and getting things back into kind of an optimum optimal flow for that that individual then creates a a less inflammatory environment. And that's another thing that, and you mentioned this, I think, in another one of our podcasts. I mean, the the environment we live in is fraught with, you know, a carb-loaded diet with, you know, that that we know creates a lot of inflammation and, you know, the obesity and the... Pasta and, isn't going to get you pregnant. Yeah, pasta is not going to get you pregnant. So. <laughs> well, and I, I was also at conceptualizing, you know, we live in this, was it carcinogenic alley or what do they call it? Because of all the refineries and oh, right. cancer alley, right? Mm-hmm. We're in, I don't know if that that stuff in the air might have be a contributing factor as well. Well, certainly could. But I think the real challenge is, are we screening and doing the best we can for each individual as opposed to the population? And, you know, I see the results that we've had with doing personalized optimization for women. It's, and the results, the resulting pregnancies, even in the face of being defined as, as infertile. Uh, then, and it's not only the women. I mean, I've had two men that were spouses of the that were spouses of the wives, and the wives looked like everything was good. And so, optimize the men, and oops, they get pregnant. So, do you find that men are reluctant to think of themselves as the reason they're being unsuccessful? find the male ego being a barrier to overcoming some of those issues? Well, on, I think it depends on what the goal is. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a more a social phenomenon, I think, than an individual. I think that's a social conception, not a... But it's generally the women that are calling, right? It's When's the last time you had a guy call you up and be like, hey, I'm having trouble getting my mate prego? Right. I guess that is unusual, but I mean, but women in healthcare, you're the one that says it all the time. Seventy percent right? of women make healthcare decisions for the family. For the family, yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, I know for a while there, you had so many women um, being you were 
the program was successful, was so successful that we were on vacation and the office called and seemed like somebody was calling to say, you got them pregnant again. Oh, oh, the one. Oh, yeah, I'm like, right. wait a minute. Oh, that's right. Uh, hold up. I think the other, the I think it was the third or fourth young lady that had come kind of by the word of mouth from the massage therapist on down and her friends and her friends. And she was, I think she was in her twenties. I think she was in her twenties. And, and I didn't even, I didn't even see this happen. You tell me, you told me later and put, I think on a Facebook post, she comes up to you and said, Oh, Miss Goolsby, I'm, I can't tell you how happy I am that your, your husband got me pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward conversations. Awesome. Yeah. So like, so when somebody's going to the, going to, where do they go? They go to their OB-GYN generally initially. It's OB-GYN. What are there particular questions that they should ask to be looked at that maybe aren't being evaluated? Well, I think, I, I think the standard evaluation for the standard evaluation for, for infertility is it covers all the same parameters that I cover. I mean, for the hormones, prolactin levels, the, you know, the cycling and the ovulation testing for, you know, ovulation and that and, you know, more mature women. But I think the, I think it's how it's addressed as, as, you know, within the limits of normal and maybe clinically how I'm looking at the optimization process and the and then the mind body component because as you mentioned in the very beginning, I think one of the, one of one of my patients was a female bodybuilder and quite intent on doing that. I think she's also a physical therapist and and the challenge the challenge there was at the very beginning I got her optimized and everything looked really good. Nothing was happening. We were a few months down the road and I noticed that she was still participating in the, you know, this aggressive exercise. She had a, com- she had a competing very, vision yeah, for what she wanted. Very competitive, you know, focused on that outcome. Right. But being pregnant doesn't really lend itself well to the body image you need to have no, to win a competition of in a bodybuilding setting, right? I mean, how many pregnant pa- bodybuilding competition winners have you seen? So it seemed like she had two competing goals. On right. one hand, she wanted to win the bodybuilding competitions, but on the other hand, she wanted to be pregnant and have a baby. But those two don't necessarily yeah. jive. Yeah. What happened in her case is that in the beginning, she didn't. She also didn't wasn't compliant with doing the the homework, the reading the chapters and us discussing and getting a different mindset. Mm. And it came to the point where I had to pointedly say, this is a component you're not participating in. And I believe it's the one that's causing you not to succeed, not to succeed. And so she, she thought about it and started participating in the mind body, component. In the mind body component. And then Ultimately, she actually started getting into it, and her thought processes then became more congruent with her outcome, her desired outcome. And it's well known with, with female athletes. I mean, female competitive female athletes, they shut down. They don't have menstrual cycles anymore. I mean, they're, they're probably they're not ovulating. That All of that is, you know... They're very, you know, women are very sensitive to that. Men too, but, you know, 
spermatogenesis is maybe not quite as affected by by stress as the female ovulatory cycle. So being being mindful of that and knowing that's that may be impacting the hormone balance that is required to have pregnancy is really really very important. So she a couple of months after she started getting into the book, she she actually got pregnant for the uh-huh. first time. And and I think I think they were the ones that called while I was on vacation. Or the second one too. Right. I think people underrate mindset work. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of people just kind of blow it off because it's not, maybe it's not tangible. It's a little more subjective and etheric, or they think that they already know it. And so they kind of blow it off. But oh, And they think they're relaxed. I can't tell you how many people that I, oh, I I don't feel stressed at all. And then I'll do do the heart math testing on them and they'll be there they'll be pegged in the red and what uh, oh what you know, real so, quick what's the heart math test oh it's a heart rate variability analysis that has been correlated with stress and relaxation it's a me- it's a somebody's ability to you can measure yeah, somebody's better, stress better, better okay sense, yeah. might have to go into that deeper is that like coherence mm-hmm. and so somebody's coherence would have an impact on their ability oh, to get be, that would drive that drives relaxation and de-stress yeah. we'll have to delve into that at a later date mm-hmm. cool yeah so okay well i think that answered most of my questions hmm. All right. well that's good because we're at 20 minutes out of time out of time all right listener i hope you found this helpful and until next time feel it look it live it thanks for subscribing to your infinite health I'm Dr. Tripp. And I'm Lene. Until next time, feel it, look it, and live it.